Welcome to Why Did I Do That, a podcast made by teens to introduce psychology in a more accessible way for teens of all backgrounds. I'm Lauren. And I'm Yusra. We are two high schoolers from Northern California, and we're super psyched to share our excitement of psychology to other teens. Hey, Lauren, have you ever experienced... Okay, I know this is going to sound weird, but... Hear me out. Have you ever experienced being chased by a freaky clown that's crawling after you on its hind legs with its head upside down, who's laughing super loud and crazy like all the while you are trying to run away, but you're unable to. And um, yeah, you're struggling to get out of its reach, basically. Has that ever happened to you? That was so (laughs) oddly specific. Like, are you okay? Yes. Well, you sure don't seem okay. Yes, I am okay. Okay, I know that was out of the blue, but this situation does sound super unlikely, right? Yeah. Like, like really scary too, right? But what yeah. if I told you that the situation was just one of my nightmares? Would you be able to believe me then? I can understand it since I've had really bad nightmares myself, but I really do hope you're okay because... <laughs> yeah, I'm I- okay, but yeah. like... It's just so unbelievable, right? Like, if I told you that happened to me in real life, but the second I tell you that it's just a nightmare, no one would, like, think too much about it. They're like, oh, yeah. You should have said that from the start. I I know, I know, but I wanted to throw you off and see what you would think. Because have you ever wondered why it's so likely for our dreams to contain these unrealistic experiences that are, you know, obviously unrealistic? So things like this don't happen in real life, you know? They're super fanatical. And they're most of the time super ridiculous too. And it's just associated with being impossible in the real world. But why? Like, why is this the case? Why do our dreams capture experiences like this? I'm still searching for that answer myself because I've also had really unrealistic dreams. So I'm not going to talk about all of them, obviously, yeah, yeah. because they're a bit disturbing. But for a more lighthearted dream, though, I once dreamed I could do a backflip. So it was really disappointing when I woke up after the dream because for some reason I thought for a few minutes that there was a possibility I could do a backflip. So Mm -hmm. it took me a while to Did you actually attempt it when you (laughs) you woke up? (laughs) Luckily, no. But I was just thinking about it like oh I learned a new skill uh-huh. how to do a backflip and I didn't know I could do it before so I was like pretty and you actually thought that you like learned yeah that? oh you see that's what we call lucid dreaming which we'll get into later on in the episode but that's such a cool experience oh my god I've never heard it it's like cool that. only if you can actually do yeah. it like in a dream <laughs> it kind of sucks if you can't do it in real life yeah I think we've all had that phase as little kids where We've all tried to do a backflip or a cartwheel, yeah. and some of us knew how to do it, but there was always, like, <laughs> the people who don't, a.k.a. me. <laughs> I'm yeah. not flexible at all. Actually, though, this wasn't exactly a lucid dream, because in the actual dream, I wasn't aware that I was dreaming, unlike a lucid dream where you oh. know that you're dreaming while you're mm-hmm. in the dream. Either way, that's still a pretty cool experience. Yeah, for the most part, (laughs) until you woke up, until you woke up. (laughs) Exactly. And there are some possible reasons people have come up with on why we dream. 
Sigmund Freud, the father of psychology, as he's named, thought dreams show unconscious desires that we repress, like sexual and aggressive desires. He thought dreams represented what we can't do in our actual lives, which reminds me of that backflip that I thought I could do. (laughs) Yeah, a really good example of that. But many of Freud's theories have been debunked. (laughs) Wait, for starters, I didn't know it was pronounced as Freud. I thought it was Freud. Or Freed. Freed? Freed. (laughs) I thought it was Sigmund Freed. Sigmund Freed. I I went through a whole year of AP Euro pronouncing it as Freed and no one told me. (laughs) Maybe that's the right pronunciation. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to call him Freed and... From my research, I found that many of Freed's ideas were, well, interesting, because as everyone knows, they've been debunked, but it's also been discovered that he thought of lucid dreaming as a way of being aware that you're actually in a dream, and sometimes you can actually control what you're doing in a dream. Not always, but just being aware that you're in a dream is a sign of lucid dreaming, which I think we've all had a lucid dream before. Also, I googled the pronunciation of Freud's name just now, and I stand correct because it (laughs) is pronounced Freud. Seriously? Yes, it spells it F-R-O-Y-D, so it's literally Freud. Freud. Okay, well, that's not his actual name is spelled, so you can't blame me. (laughs) But as I was saying, um, lucid dreaming is just, you know, being aware that you're in a dream, and sometimes you can control what's happening. And the psychology behind it is the idea that it's a way to escape negative and embarrassing thoughts um, that lead to the formations of these dreams. Or not to escape them, more like relive them, actually. Yeah. Which is terrifying, right? Just reliving it and then knowing that you're reliving these embarrassing and negative moments. Oh, but it's probably nice to mention that it's not like this for all of them. Some of them can be positive. So, I mean, it's good to relive a positive experience. Yeah, I would definitely prefer positive lucid dreaming. So a negative, unfortunately, lucid dream I had once was trying to escape the dream. Mm -hmm. So obviously in this case, I felt really stressed because I would keep trying to wake up in the dream. about that was like my dream as well. When? When? I can't tell you when because it's been a while, but I just thought... I don't know, like, I had a dream like that, too. I was trying to escape a stressful situation. Someone I really loved passed away, and I knew I was dreaming. So I would literally go back to my bed and, like, lie down. And it looked the same, too. And then try to sleep. And then I'd wake up, and I knew I was still in the dream. So I would keep on doing that. Was Was it like that for you? Well, in this case, I don't think a specifically tragic event happened in my dream, but Mm. I can understand with that. Like, you would definitely want to escape, especially if you know you're dreaming. Yeah, it's just, and you, like, you feel it, you know? Yeah. You really feel all the emotions. I know in this dream, though, when I woke up, it would be in different locations. So I think once in the dream, I woke up at a table in some sort of church. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Do you, is there like a connection you can make to it as to why it happened? Maybe like a negative experience you were reliving or a positive one? I'm actually not sure. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, a lot of my dreams do tend to have some sort of religious aspects in them. So mm-hmm. they tend to mention God or something related to Christianity. You know, well, that's good if you're a religious person. 
right? Being able to like dream about the things you believe in. Also, it's not Freud who coined the term lucid dreaming. It's actually researchers Frederick Wilhelms and Van Eden, who was Dutch. And they were actually the first ones to coin it. And they mentioned that lucid dreaming is where you have the your psychic functions are complete. And this is where the sleeper reaches a state of perfect awareness and is able to dream whatever they want to dream. Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't Freud who came up with this term. Cause oh, no, have... I think I pronounced yeah. it wrong. Sorry. You have one more chance. <laughs> hey, you know what they say, old habits die hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by what Eden, 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 the Dutch person you mentioned, meant by psychic functions. It sounds really mysterious. I think other than that stressful dream I just talked about, the other time I was lucid dreaming wasn't that bad. I think in this dream, I got stung by a bee or I tried pinching myself, something like that where I wanted to confirm for myself that I was in a dream because you know how when you pinch yourself and you feel the pain, people are able to, to tell realize. if they're awake. Yeah. yeah. Did you actually do that in your dream? Yeah. Did you wake up? No, because you some... were still lucid dreaming. Yeah. Oh. So you were able to control your actions. I don't think I've had a dream like that, like a lucid dream like that. That's very cool. But I think in the dream, I could somehow still feel the pain from this for some reason because... Seriously? Yeah, it oh, doesn't really freaky. make sense. <laughs> because I know in other dreams I've had in the past, I have been able to feel pain a few times, but again, I might just be um, imagining it. <laughs> this reminds me like of a lot of different animes I've seen. Oh. Wait, <laughs> if you're in trouble, please let everyone know. No, because like I know this anime that was like, you're in a dream, and then if you die in the dream, you die in real life. I had if a you dream watch about anime, that. like you, it's Sword Art Online. Like if you've watched anime, you know what that is. So I had a dream like that too. Wait, like, really? Yeah, but you didn't actually die. <laughs> you're no. here, so it's fine. But I dreamed once that I went to dream school, I think, and I learned that if you commit suicide in a dream, you die in real life. And you went to dream school? Dude, your dreams know. are so interesting. Okay, either I have really scary ones or I don't have them at all. Lucky. It's probably better, though, to not have them mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, because, like, it could be an indication that I don't have as many bad experiences that I want to relive. Yeah. Right? If we're looking at the psychology side of things. But, yeah. I mean, lucid dreaming can be positive. Like, I've had good lucid dreams where i was in them but the entire time i was worried about waking up because i knew oh, it was a dream you know yeah like a dream where i was at a party and there was a bunch of sweet food and i was like oh when i wake up it won't be here so <laughs> yeah i think i've had a few of those too mm -hmm. and there are some benefits to dreaming not particularly just lucid dreaming but according to research Dreaming in your REM stage, which stands for rapid eye movement, can be beneficial. And to define REM, this is the stage when after you first fall asleep, taking about a time of 90 minutes, you enter the REM stage for a shorter period of time, which is usually where you can have quite intense dreams. There is also an activation synthesis hypothesis. So during REM sleep, Sleep helps us process the memories and information from the previous day. And dreaming might be a byproduct or active part of this processing. Oh, you know, that's why they always say, if you're like studying, you should study right before you go to sleep. 
and then get a decent yeah. amount of sleep so your brain has enough time to process it overnight. Also, you mentioned something about having REM or if you sleep well, you have a dream, right? Because you're in yeah. that REM period. Well, I don't have many dreams and that would the the lack of sleep that I get would probably explain it, to be honest. Yeah, I yeah. think for the research I was doing from this, it was all mainly just pointing to the general idea that sleep in general is important. Really important. Yeah. I should remind myself that every night cuz I mean, I read articles about it, but then and I try to implement it for like a couple days and then my sleep schedule goes back to its kind of crappy self. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that would explain why I don't have as many dreams because I don't think I achieve that REM sleep that you need for proper functioning and having dreams. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I think the quality of sleep you get matters too. So maybe not necessarily if you have dreams, but in general, just being in the REM sleep stage Mm -hmm. is more beneficial compared to light sleeping. Yeah. And like you did say that dreams are more likely to happen if you are in that REM stage, right? Yeah. So it can be an indicator of good sleep, right? It's kind of why why people say sweet dreams, right? You know, so you can sleep well and have good dreams because they go hand in hand. Also, it's found that well-remembered dreams that involve threats to our survival and safety and just our physical selves um, occur during this REM sleep. So I'm sure we all have also like well-remembered dreams that... Yeah. And these ones are like the super scary ones, right? The ones that are like a threat to our safety and our physical selves, that kind of thing, right? The ones that involve survival, so typically nightmares. And these are the ones that we can remember without having to write down in, I guess, a dream diary, if you know what that is. Yeah, so to define what a dream diary is, it's just something to keep track of your dreams. Mm -hmm. So usually after a few minutes after waking up from a dream, you would write down everything you remember from that dream Mm -hmm. in a diary. And like, if you're wondering why people do this, it's because it could be like something super happy that they want to remember or in my case, because I kept one for a while, it could be kind of ridiculous. Like, I remember I had a dream where I was being chased by a bunch of, like, angry dogs. <laughs> and then, okay, I went through, like, a BTS phase, you know, the boy band. Um, <laughs> and in my dream, I was, like, running away, and they were trying to protect me, like, running after me and trying to shield me. But anyways, I wrote that down in my dream diary. But that's just an example of what you could put in there. Okay, I probably revealed way too much about myself right now. But I think... That describes a lot of people's middle school phases. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. I think that kind of dream I wouldn't even have to write down to like remember. Yeah. It was a threat to my survival. So I was on topic. I've also had more threatening dreams too. Mm-hmm. So I know one of them was when I dreamed of a guy breaking into my family's house and he was wearing a brown paper bag, I think, <laughs> over <laughs> his head oh and just God. trying to murder my family. Um, it was definitely not a very pleasant dream Mm -hmm. and I was so scared for my survival because well obviously if some guy is trying to murder my family I'm gonna be scared if I'm right there he's gonna try I mean I'd be concerned if it were otherwise yeah yeah. but I mean that's the whole point dreaming is there to stimulate stimulate threatening events and it's there to rehearse perceiving and avoiding threat to discuss the psychology behind why we have these frightening, well-remembering 
remembered dreams is because this kind of dreaming is there to stimulate threatening events so we can rehearse perceiving and avoiding threat. So this is valuable for developing and maintaining threat avoidable skills. So you might have never thought of it this way while actually dreaming, but it's there to help you gain skills. You know, my clown dream was there to help me <laughs> gain skills of avoiding a clown. So that actually, in case a killer yeah. clown was chasing me, like, you never know, 2016 might repeat itself. That makes it better for me to remember, I guess, in a way, because now I'm thinking, so dreaming that a guy was trying to murder my family <laughs> can oh improve. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing out of like nervous laughter. Okay. I, yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah. Just want to make it clear. Okay. But it's really interesting to think this dream could improve my reaction time now. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel too that more dangerous dreams tend to be more memorable. So mm-hmm. like the dream I just talked about, I usually remember my scarier dreams. Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason for that. You yeah. Know? Which is good because we're trying to gain skills and, you know, we're rehearsing perceiving threats. Just such a nice way to put it instead of just saying, oh, I had a dream about a creepy clown. (laughs) But I think our tendency to remember like scarier dreams may also be that we tend to be fascinated with scarier stuff in general. Like why people watch horror movies and stuff. Um, You see, that could apply to, not to say this applies to everyone, because I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but... For me personally, I like true crime and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, me too. So that could be why I also remember it. I definitely want to do an episode on horror movies or true crime in the future mm-hmm. because I also really like things that stimulate fear. And yeah, I think it's all about the emotional stimuli we were talking about in yeah. the other episode. I'm starting to see this theory of how I really do remember my scariest dreams the most, especially those sleep paralysis dreams I had when I was younger. Um, more context, please, <laughs> if you're willing to share. Well, I think it's normal for a lot of us to have sleep paralysis mm-hmm. at one point in our lives. But I know when I was younger, I definitely had them more. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and then feel, like, chained to my bed. Are you serious? Okay, I've heard of, like, some of my siblings and, like, other friends having sleep paralysis dreams. Is that what it's called? But I've never had one. What? Like, never. And I feel like if I did have one, I would remember it. So, no, I've never had one. And I'm glad because I don't think I'd be able to sleep after that. You know? I'd be scared of dreaming because I know that's the case for some people. Yeah, I think it definitely did make me scared of dreaming after that. And And sleeping in general. Yeah, Yeah. and I still hold a bit of that fear, like, based on some of the dreams I've had and also sleep paralysis. Yeah, sorry about that. So sorry. But at least it can improve my survival instincts. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Trying to be quirky and positive. (laughs) I did not just do that. Um, yeah, anyways, um, we should probably talk about why this is a little more serious because these types of dreams can actually lead to distress and impairment in social functioning. So they're not all positive. And apparently also post-traumatic nightmares, which is a, um, it's an effect of PTSD or a sign of PTSD, is where you're dreaming events that are part of stress reactions and This follows exposure to traumatic events, so it follows or it shows that you are suffering from PTSD. I definitely think in that way, dreams can 
sometimes be harmful. For example, as you said, for people with PTSD, if they remind those people of a harmful event. Like, if you saw your family member die in front of you, I don't think anyone would want to keep witnessing that again in a dream. Yeah, and that's exactly what PTSD is, though, you know? It's like reliving that moment, and you're doing it through your dreams, through your post-traumatic nightmares. Yeah, those are just some of the symptoms, though, and of course, we know that not everyone with PTSD has Mm -hmm. these particular symptoms. But this is a symptom of PTSD. It's good that you put it out there. Because it's very easy to, like, self-diagnose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But people who suffer from these, they end up waking up and they're in a state of melancholy for the rest of their day. And it leads to social impairment, like, impairment of their social functioning, you know, and just an overall bad mood for the rest of the day. I haven't had an experience that severe before, but I know from my personal experience when I've dreamed more terrifying nightmares, like I think I dreamed ones of all my fears in an exact moment coming true, which was pretty scary. Yeah. Oh my god, that is terrifying. Like one fear is bad enough. Like all of them, like ganging yeah. up on you. I could never imagine that. Or just I would think something to myself that was a worrying thought or thought mm-hmm. about, for example, a ghost appearing in front of me, and then it would happen in the dream. Whew. Yeah, no, I that's never happened to me, but I don't think that it counts as a PTSD nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't think so either. But even from that experience, I could still feel pretty scared a few minutes after waking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's understandable. I haven't had an experience like this, thankfully, and I hope I won't have to experience a feeling like this. But if you are experiencing PTSD nightmares, please reach out to someone you're comfortable with consoling in. And, yeah. you know. A proper support system. So since we're about halfway through our episode, we're going to take a short break. And then after the break, we'll talk about a theory that's surprisingly pretty similar to Freud's theory and some tips for getting better sleep. Welcome back from the break. Did you miss us? I don't think the audience members should be pressured to answer that question, Yusra. Dang. Okay, anyway. Although Freud thought dreams were a way to live out our suppressed unconscious desires, there's actually a theory related to this called the dream rebound theory, which stands for suppressing a thought causing you to dream about it. And there's actually a study done on this where participants were given a pleasant or unpleasant thought then suppressed it for five minutes before sleeping, and it was found that unpleasant thoughts were more likely to rebound in dreams than pleasant thoughts. I'm not sure, but I do think this could be an example of how if someone has gone through a really traumatic experience, they would also be prone to it showing up in their dreams. So I going, think that makes sense. Yeah, Honestly. Like, you know how people always say, don't bottle up your emotions because it's going to hurt you in the long run? That, this is an example of the negative effects of bottling up your emotions. And I'm kind of in shock right now because I do do this often. I don't talk about some of the negative experiences or hardships I'm experiencing in the moment. And so I'll end up having a negative dream about it, you know? So that could be what this theory is representing. 
that happens to me too because I don't share my emotions for every negative situation I'm in. So sometimes they do tend to appear in dreams. Mm -hmm. But I think even if I do talk about the situation, it might make this even worse because I remember it even more. And then usually if I think about something a lot during the day, it tends to pop up in a dream. At night. Yeah. I think the way to counter that is, okay, so you should share it. And even if you don't have somebody to share it with at the moment, you should find a way to... um, you know, not suppress it. So maybe write about it or have some sort of creative outlet or some outlet in general. You know, the whole point is you get it out somehow and then deal with it in a healthy way so it won't haunt you at nighttime. I agree. Yeah, like even if you don't want to talk about it with someone, writing about it, for example, could help. Mm-hmm. Just having a way to release. Yeah, what's yeah as long as you don't suppress it. Since dreaming overall is supposed to help with things in our daily lives like practicing threat avoidance or processing memories, I know we already mentioned this earlier on in the episode, but I think this all just shows the importance of sleep, which a lot of teenagers don't get, unfortunately. Literally, Lauren, you looked right at me when you said that. Like, excuse me, I'm trying so hard to fix my sleep schedule. Like, actually, I've gone it to, like, six to seven hours of sleep right now. And that's really good for me because sophomore year, it was, like, three hours of sleep at least twice a week. That's kind of my sleep schedule, too. But I do want to Three hours of sleep? Not three hours. I meant, like, six to seven (laughs) around Mm -hmm. hours. But I also want to be more consistent with my sleep schedule, too. And find a way to sleep more because that is really important. Yeah. So some of the tips I found from the American Psychological Association for getting more sleep included having a consistent bedroom routine, which might mean, for example, dimming the lights a few minutes before bedtime Mm -hmm. and also going to bed at the same time each night because it was found that people who sleep eight hours a night but have varying bedtimes each night, won't feel as well-rested as people who continuously go to bed at the same time. I can confirm that. Because during the summer, everyone is increasing their sleep, right? Like, they're making up for their sleep, and so they're getting eight to nine hours, even ten hours sometimes, depending on how sleep-deprived you were. But (laughs) I know not everyone slept at, like, ten or eleven during the summertime. It would vary, like, Some nights I would sleep at 1, some nights I would sleep at 4. Either way, I would get 8 hours of sleep, but it wouldn't be refreshing. So It's all about the consistency. So finding a good time to go to bed each night, it doesn't have to be exactly, but just finding a time within a few minutes of when you normally go to sleep would help in being able to get more sleep in the future. Yeah, I agree. Well, (laughs) I've implemented it a couple of times. And you know when you hear about, like, healthy habits? Yeah. And then you don't implement them at first because you're like, oh, these probably don't work. But then you implement them and you're like, oh, it does work. Like, for example, you know, sleeping earlier. You're like, oh, but I want to stay up and study. Maybe it'll help my grades more than sleeping and getting enough sleep. That happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. But you actually sleep and you should. And you're able to pay attention in class and get better grades. But I'm like, oh, I'll just stay up and study instead of sleep, you know? Yeah, sometimes that does happen to me too. Like, I'll stay up to study for something, but... You end up doing worse, right? So sometimes you should listen to the advice, mainstream advice. That's where I'm trying to get with this. Especially since this is from a psychological source. Mm -hmm. 
But the last one might seem a bit upsetting, but nap for no more than 20 minutes a day because if you nap for longer than that, it can impact the sleep you're getting at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think we've all experienced it. We've all overslept in, in yeah. at night or when you're trying to nap and then it affects how late you can sleep at nighttime. Yeah, so as I said, I'm definitely trying to get more sleep as well. Because even though sometimes I do want to stay up late to finish some things up, as we mentioned, it's also just comfortable having like one day when I just sleep in for 10 to 11 hours, suddenly after sleeping for less time than that in the past days. And I think that just shows that I might just need more sleep. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we don't get enough sleep one day and then we sleep for like seven, eight hours the day after and it still doesn't help because you didn't get enough sleep the day before yeah so just again consistent nice long hours which i know is hard to maintain with life going on but i think some sacrifices have to be made sometimes you know it's like you have to ask yourself is it really worth staying up for this one assignment or maybe in the future you can stay up and then try to prevent ways that get you into the situation again where you have to contemplate between your sleep and an assignment Yeah, it's a little sad that we have to do this, but just goes to show some of the gaps in our education and our school system. (laughs) You just got to make it a habit. So even though you might feel guilty right now um, by putting something off until the next day just so you can get more sleep, eventually you will start seeing the effects of what you're doing. Like it just takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we might also do an episode on sleep deprivation, which would help me and I'm sure many other teenagers. So maybe we can turn this into a mini series. Really that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we're at the end. To recap, Freud had a theory that dreams show the unconscious desires that we repress. And although many of his theories were debunked, the dream rebound theory states that the result of suppressing a thought is dreaming about it. There are various benefits to dreaming, such as processing memory, which is the activation synthesis hypothesis, and practicing threat avoidance skills. We also discuss lucid dreaming and the awareness, or which is the awareness of that you're in a dream and sometimes you can even act in this dream. And although many of us have likely had a nightmare at least once, there can be some harmful effects of them, especially post-traumatic nightmares resulting in an impairment of social functioning. We hoped you all enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. (laughs) Yes, but no pressure. Not to be shameless or anything, but... (laughs) Also, check out our other episodes and follow our Instagram account at Why Did I Do That Pod. It's new and we have released our first post, so... Yes. Yeah. Please check that out. And make sure to leave a like on that post as well. Until then, don't forget to keep asking yourself... Why Why did did I I do do that? that?